1: This is CNN Breaking News.
2: Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. I hope you out there are safe and healthy. We begin, of course, with the healthy today and the coronavirus pandemic. The number of confirmed cases in the U.S. taking a big jump today as more tests become available. Now more than 11,000 people in the U.S. are confirmed infected. That's compared to around 1,000 one week ago, though that number, of course, is expected to grow. The death toll is also rising. It's now up to 164 in the U.S. At this point yesterday, that number was 120, now up 44 deaths. Now, the news from the medical front lines is, of course, quite bleak right now. What we're hearing from the White House today, however, is muddled. This afternoon, President Trump announced that he is pushing the Food and Drug Administration to fast-track treatments for coronavirus patients. President Trump, in a span of minutes, said that the two drugs were, that two drugs were, quote, essentially approved, and that he hopes those and other drugs under evaluation Could be a big breakthrough. But what the president said was either confusing or just plain wrong because the FDA commissioner minutes later said that while these two drugs are approved for other uses, they're not yet approved for coronavirus. The FDA will start clinical trials to see if they are effective for this pandemic. And he acknowledged, of course, there are side effects and risks with these two drugs. More confusion as well regarding the move the president announced yesterday to invoke the Defense Production Act, uh, the order to make the military work to increase available critical medical supplies for civilians out there. Today, the president said he had not yet actually triggered it and that states should be picking up much of the work and getting supplies to places where they are needed. As hospitals are sounding the alarm over su- supply shortages, another bit of confusion, Vice President Pence today said that 3M, the company in Minnesota, is making $35 million N95 N95. Masks. Those are the special masks that preserve somebody's respiratory system. The vice president said that they are available, quote, now, these masks from 3M. But it isn't clear how many of the 35 million masks the vice president mentioned are actually available right now. It's also not clear whether hospitals, which are reporting shortages from coast to coast, are aware of this information. Moreover, at the same time the Vice President Pence was making that announcement... The CDC has new guidance to healthcare workers instructing them that they may ultimately need to use scarves or bandanas as a last resort if they run out of masks. I want to bring in CNN senior medical correspondent Elizabeth Cohen, who can hopefully help us understand some of what's going on here. Elizabeth, President Trump seemed very optimistic today about how fast these antiviral drugs could be available specifically to treat coronavirus. Right now, right now we know one of them is used to treat malaria. What, what's going on here? Why do they think it will work for coronavirus? What, what's a, what's holding it back from just being available?
3: Right. Well, Jake, it actually is available. This is a drug that has been used to treat malaria for many, many years, and they could use it on COVID patients or on, on patients with the novel coronavirus. But it's not clear that it works. And some would say that Trump had a little bit more optimism than medical professionals would had would say that they have. So when you look at this uh, drug, it has been tried on other viruses and it didn't work very well. There was a lot of optimism, but it didn't work very well in actual people with viruses. Some of them worked in the lab, but not on actual people. Now, the Chinese have said that they tried it and it did work well on coronavirus patients. However, they didn't give any data. And so when you don't see any data, how can you trust that statement? Something else that the president said I think is important. He said, you know what, it's safe if we try it and it doesn't work. At least we didn't kill anyone. Actually, French researchers have published an article in a medical journal saying, hold on a second. This drug is safe when used at regular doses, but there is a very narrow margin. That's the term they used—a narrow margin between a safe and a toxic dose. If you give a toxic dose, you could you could hurt someone's heart and kill them. Possibly. So, you know, there's a lot of the, again, the medical uh, experts are disagreeing with the president.
2: Yeah, we could have used uh, Dr. Fauci maybe talking about this more. Um, Vice President Pence uh, today said that tens of thousands of Americans are being tested uh, every day. And of course, with all this new testing, we're seeing more and more confirmed cases. Um, But in terms of of the testing that is going on, I I still hear of reports uh, directly from people about how they have symptoms and they can't get a test, are we anywhere close to how many tests we need?
3: Oh, I am hearing the exact same thing, and I'm also hearing from doctors, Jake. I have patients that I want to test for coronavirus, and I can't because I don't have the test. Are there more tests than there were even just a few days ago? Absolutely. Is it easier to do than it was even just a few days ago? For sure. But are doctors testing everyone they want to test Absolutely not. And I think, you know, that Pence and Trump can say over and over again as much as they want, the tests are getting out there. Really what you have to do is listen to the doctors. And if they say, I can't test the people I want to test, you know there's not enough out there.
2: Yeah, there's a difference between projecting optimism Mm -hmm. that we'll get out of this and we will get out of this and, and not being straight with the American people. The Trump administration says private companies will help get more medical supplies to hospitals across the country. But when asked about the urgent needs for masks and for protective gear right now, President Trump seemed to be saying, well, that's not my job. That's the job of governors. CNN's Boris Sanchez joins me now live at the White House. in Boris, President Trump invoked the Defense Production Act yesterday. But now we're being told by the president and the White House that, that he's not going to use it right now. Why not?
4: That is confounding, Jake. Uh, The president had been called upon by lawmakers going back to last week to invoke the DPA to help produce more of these badly needed supplies. Uh, The president finally signing off on it yesterday, but just a short time later tweeting that he would not use it unless it were completely necessary. It's unclear what he's waiting for as we're hearing reports of shortages of very basic medical supplies lacking in emergency rooms. Things like masks, ventilators, gowns, etc., the president was asked about that today. He grew defensive, saying that the media doesn't know everything that he's doing and then putting it on the governors to gather these much needed supplies. Listen to more from the president.
5: Governors are supposed to be doing a lot of this work and they are doing a lot of this work. The federal government's not supposed to be out there buying vast amounts of items and then shipping. You know, we're not a shipping clerk.
4: Uh, Trump was also asked about these reports regarding shortages. Uh, the president saying that he's not familiar with them, saying that what he has heard from people on the ground are only good things. He also said, again, defending the administration, that uh, they were totally prepared for this outbreak, saying that
2: they only were unprepared for the media's response. Jake, we're not a shipping clerk. That's that's what he said about the need to get supplies to doctors and nurses. Unbelievable. Uh, thanks so much, Boris. Appreciate it. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has now ordered 75 percent of the workforce in the Empire State to work from home, except for essential services, of course, such as health care workers. The governor is warning that fear and misinformation may be more dangerous than the virus right now. CNN's Shimon Prokupas is live in New York City. And Shimon, uh, Governor Cuomo also announcing some economic measures to help residents.
6: Yeah, he is, uh, Jake. This is a big concern uh, for many of the people who live in this state. You know, I hear it from friends, from family. Everyone's worried about how they're going to pay uh, for their homes. A lot of people getting laid off, a lot of people losing jobs. And as you said, 75 percent of the workforce here in New York State, uh, all across the state, being ordered uh, to stay home. And so with that, the governor has said that he's going to offer some economic relief, a, a 90-day uh Mortgage relief. It comes with some caveats. Uh, you have to have good credit. There are other things, but for the most part, he's going to be offering 90 day mortgage relief. They're going to waive some mortgage payments, uh, understanding that there's a lot of financial hardship all across this state. Uh, the governor also says he's going to be waiving uh, late fees. Uh, and also, a big concern, obviously, for people who can't make these mortgage po- payments uh, is foreclosures and if they're going to go uh, lose their homes. And so he's saying, that the state is going to postpone uh, and foreclosures. Uh, so all of this, obviously, a big concern for a lot of the people uh, in this state who are really worried uh, about how they're going to keep their homes. In some cases, uh, you know, not having jobs, uh, how they're going to feed their families. So he's trying to offer some kind of economic relief uh, as this goes on. Uh, and, of course, 75 percent of people ordered uh, to stay home, people who have uh, jobs. Uh, the workforce here uh, in the state ordered uh, not to report to work, Jake.
2: All right, Shimon Prokipos, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Coming up next, we're going to talk to an ER doctor on the front lines who was also behind the Netflix docuseries Pandemic. What is he seeing in hospitals now? Plus, Americans stranded as countries around the world close their borders. Some are stuck and desperately need the U.S. to help. Stay with us. Welcome back to the lead. Emergency rooms across the country are preparing for a surge of coronavirus cases, but medical staff continue to raise the alarm that they do not have enough resources, space or supplies. With me now is one of these doctors, Dr. Ryan McGarry. He's an ER doctor at Los Angeles County Medical Center. He also has a Netflix docuseries called Pandemic that preceded this pandemic in the U.S. Dr. McGarry, uh, thanks for joining us. As an ER doctor, you're on the front lines. Tell us what you're seeing. Tell us what you don't have enough of.
7: Jake, I'll tell you this much, uh, I just came back from a, a, a meeting with our faculty and residents, and what I can tell you is that for one, everybody should be really excited about the athleticism of my colleagues. I, mean, I, I just want to put that out there, that our doctors, our nurses are, are in these meetings asking, how can we get closer to these patients? What, what, what can we do to get in there faster and save their lives quicker? That's awesome. That is an athleticism of, uh, that's unique to this specialty. And I think that's unique to the DNA of a county doc. And I also just want to say that, you know, when these patients are coming in, we're talking about a, uh, a, a team response, nurses and ancillary staff and, and custodial staff, you know, it's taking a two to three hour turnaround to do what's called a terminal clean in these rooms. And of course, Uh, you're know you not hearing about that enough. These people are incredible, and I'm so proud to be a part of the front line. Um, I will say that, troublingly, this is familiar to us. Uh, Every doctor uh, uh, that works the ER in this country, every ER nurse, I think, would tell you that there's some of this that feels familiar to us, that this feels sort of like sometimes an average Tuesday, Thursday, Friday night, any weeknight, you name it, because we're always asked to be doing more with less. That is sort of the ER tradition in this country. There are never enough ICU beds. Strangely, we're prepared because this is somewhat normal to us.
2: Do you lack supplies? For example, today Vice President Pence said 3M is making 35 million medical masks. He said they're available now uh, for hospitals. The CDC uh, just yesterday, I think, sent new guidance that healthcare workers such as you should be prepared to reuse masks in a crisis. And if you need to, use bandanas or scarves as a last resort. Um, do you have enough masks or are you going to have to be using bandanas?
7: We have not gotten to the point of bandanas as far as I know. Uh, we are uh, currently being smart about what we have. And uh, some of the masks we're starting to, to reuse. That's a tough reality. I, I know our leadership's doing everything they can to help us. But again, I would, I would argue that, that when the dust settles on this, uh, there are elements to this that feel, frankly, normal. That you know, there's, There are plenty of times where... where whether it's a med shortage or a bed shortage, uh, ER physicians and nurses in this country—we bootstrap. That's how we're trained to to think and act.
2: How many patients do you have uh, with coronavirus at uh, LA County Medical Center right now? If you're allowed—I don't even know if you're allowed to say that—but uh, but but I mean, do you have patients with it? Are you seeing an influx as the as the curve goes up? Are you seeing an influx of patients?
7: Jake, I'll tell you this much: when it rains. Uh, most of us don't go and look at what the weather channel says, how much it's raining. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and I think we're at that point now where we know what's coming in the door. Um, of course, there's a lag time between test completed and test sent and test resulted. So all I can tell you is that it, it, it feels like it's raining and it's raining harder.
2: But we're only a couple of weeks into this and you're already talking about how you and your, your team at LA County, which is, by the way, not one of the epicenters. I mean, Washington right. and New York Uh, And San Francisco areas are are more of the epicenters in L.A., at least right now. But you're already reusing masks. That doesn't really bode very well for the next week or two unless the 35 million masks that Vice President Pence referred to are able to actually get to you.
7: Right. Uh, I think what it is, is it's it's just using a common sense strategy to use, uh, nobody's being asked to put themselves, I think, in a dangerous position. Um, y- y- you know, and hats off to, to, to our team for, for, you know, knowing that. I-, I think what we're doing is saying, hey, you know, there is some evidence as to what level of mask we need, depending on the scenario. Let's not overuse the ones that we don't need unless we
2: absolutely need it. I see. I mentioned the series that you co-created and directed for Netflix called Pandemic. Uh, we're going to show some parts of the trailer right now. This series debuted two months ago, first, before the first known case was reported in the U.S. Obviously, you'd been working on it uh, long before even it broke out in Wuhan, China. Uh, w- what do you hope viewers take away from the series, particularly in light uh, of what you're going through right now and when, when the patients you're treating with coronavirus?
7: Uh, for one i i think that there's some hope in this series uh you know as a filmmaker and a physician i'm drawn to outliers in this in this industry people who think differently and people who who uh, you know before this was even a thing knew that this would happen someday now that's fascinating to me that we have scientists and physicians out there who already had a hunch and knew that that it's statistically an inevitable event well they're on it. And, and, you know, thank goodness for some of those folks out there. And I, I think my series successfully celebrates those uh, people. As far as what to do in the future, boy, I, I hope this changes things. I, I mean, again, as a, as a frontline ER physician, I think I can reasonably speak for all ER docs and nurses out there and our ancillary staff that uh, <laughs> we go to war every night Yeah, and have been. And, and, you know, this shouldn't surprise anybody that when we are uh, on that kind of brink every night, well, it's not gonna take much to put us, you know, into going to the well here. Uh, But I'm hopeful. I mean, really, I'm hopeful. It was so inspiring to hear our docs this morning say, uh, we wanna run into this.
2: Let's do it. You know, it's really, really inspiring. Yeah, you wanna take it on, I get it. Well, We've been talking about the masks. We've been talking about uh, ventilators. Uh, We've been talking about the availability uh, of ICU beds. What other things are medical staff like you and the people you work with going to need, going to run out of in the, in the coming weeks, in addition to protective gear, ICU beds and ventilators?
7: I I think there's been some concern about the swabs. That's a separate issue than the test kits themselves. Um, I I believe there's been some national reporting on that. I am not a spokesperson for our hospital directly. This is sort of a national issue. Um, uh, if I could say, though, I think that every healthcare worker in America and again, importantly, the people who support us, there, are making very little money. Uh, we're talking custodial staff. People are answering the phones. I think we all need some moral support right now, Jake. The more that I think, you know, kindness can exist in society, It'd be great to see our national leadership uh, really building us up as opposed to pointing fingers. And and and, you know, that dialogue is just not, I think, what anyone wants to hear. On any ER shift, it's already one of the toughest jobs in America. We need encouragement.
2: Well, we certainly here at The Lead and CNN express our thanks to you and everybody at the emergency rooms right now dealing with this on the front lines. Dr. Ryan McGarry, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jake. As Italy's death toll surpasses China's today, Beijing is trying to say that they're stepping in to help. Why global experts think there's more than just goodwill behind China's aid. Stay with us. Tragic news today in Italy when that country surpassed China as the country with the highest death toll from the novel coronavirus. The Chinese government claims that their country has no new local cases of the virus, which, if true, would mark a major milestone in the global fight. And as CNN's Melissa Bell reports, China is now saying they want to provide critical aid to Italy and other parts of Europe in an effort to expand influence, charity. It's unclear.
8: It was
9: China that came to the rescue as Italy shook, sending medical personnel, nine pallets of ventilators, electrocardiographs and tens of thousands of masks, all desperately needed by a healthcare system in crisis and appreciated by Italians stuck at home singing China's praise. That help from China coming in the absence of aid from Italy's European neighbours, some of whom have closed their borders, garnering international headlines. The frustration palpable in the towns bearing the brunt of the crisis. In Bergamo, in northern Italy, where the army is now transporting the dead to be cremated, people are taking to social media to express their anger and their grief like Roberta Zaninoni, who lost her healthy father to the outbreak. He didn't deserve to die like this. He died like a dog. Beijing bringing its experience of a crisis it has now seemingly overcome to those in its midst, as it looks to rehabilitate its image and perhaps deflect blame in the crisis.
6: We don't even really know the accuracy of the figures coming out of China about prevalence currently for the coronavirus. And what they certainly don't want us talking about is what the Chinese government did in those early days when early action might have prevented an epidemic, but their
10: censorship worsened it instead.
9: But it's not just Italy. China also trying to curry favor by helping Japan, the Philippines, South Korea, Iran, Spain as it locked down, and most recently France, with one million masks promised to the country on Wednesday. We are grateful for support from China 200,000 N95 masks, 2 million surgical masks, and 50,000 testing kits. This support is highly valued and we are grateful for it. All the more so that Europe had few other options. Donald Trump's America First policy has seen a gradual worsening of the transatlantic alliance over issues like climate change, trade, and most recently over Trump's failure to consult Europe over the coronavirus travel ban, with China now stepping into the global leadership role long abandoned by the American president. Just last year, President Xi Jinping sought a new alliance with Italy, the Italian prime minister becoming the first G7 leader to back Xi's Belt and Road Initiative, which seeks to loan countries money to build a network of infrastructure projects connecting Asia, the Middle East, Africa and Europe.
1: America has left a vacuum because of Trump's isolationism And the Europeans don't feel like America is their friend.
9: While Washington continues to accuse China of being responsible for the outbreak.
5: It comes from China. That's why. It comes from China.
9: China is denying a cover-up and responsibility for the pandemic. It says that its forceful measures slowed the outbreak. Now Beijing may be trying to turn a crisis into an opportunity by gaining ground in its longer-term fight for soft power globally. Jake, here in Europe, the crisis continues to worsen tonight. We've had the worst figures so far here in France in terms of the number of cases, more than 1,800. Another sad uh, milestone for Italy that you mentioned a moment ago. And again, the largest number of cases there since the outbreak began announced tonight. This is a crisis that is going to get worse for Europe before it gets any better. With that massive strain on the healthcare system, only worsening over the course of that. Now, in terms of the rest, I think we're going to have to wait for the dust to settle, for the world to emerge from this crisis, which I suppose at some time it will, uh, in order to get an idea of just how much the geopolitical landscape has changed. Jake.
2: All right, Melissa Bell in Paris, France for us. Thank you so much. Joining me now is Jamie Metzl. He served on the National Security Council and at the State Department During the administration of former President Bill Clinton, uh, Jamie has written extensively on China. And Jamie, um, China, the Chinese government today claiming that there are no new local cases. Uh, That would mark a major development if true. But let me emphasize, if true, China, the Chinese government have major credibility issues. They've been expelling journalists. They've been suppressing whistleblowers. They've been keeping information secret. So how are we supposed to take this news?
11: Well, it's definitely uh, correct that we can't trust numbers out of China, but it looks like um, that China has turned the tide on this on this virus and the ensuing disease, and they've used it with an incredible level of force. And it was just said, it's kind of ironic um, that China's failure in the early stages of this disease have created this, wide, this crisis, and China has used in many ways, it's authoritarian um, tools that it has access to, which hampered it in the beginning, but to respond pretty effectively and aggressively now. And now the United States, which has failed to live up to our traditional role of being the kind of the world's, I don't know if savior is the right word, but the lead helper is turning inward while China is seizing upon this, uh, this opportunity. So this has implications for this crisis, but it's a much, much bigger geopolitical arena where this is also going to play out.
2: When this crisis is over, and it will be over at some point, we don't know when, but when it's over, uh, there'll be time to revisit all of the missteps. But one of the ones that seems most notable and problematic is the Chinese government silencing that whistleblower in the beginning. How much damage do you think that did in the initial response to to contain the coronavirus?
11: Well, Jake, it wasn't just one whistleblower. There were really five weeks from when China could have sounded the alarm to when China ultimately did sound the alarm. And China did a great job. Chinese scientists did a great job of sequencing the the viral uh, genome, but they waited a week before publishing that. They waited to let the World Health Organization in. So it wasn't just one whistleblower. There was a system failure in China, and a virus that could have very likely been suppressed early on, then broke out, and the world is is suffering as a result. And then on top of that, there were failures upon failures, certainly here in the United States and elsewhere, as as you and others have, have discussed extensively. Uh,
2: and how skeptically do you view uh, China, you know, sending supplies to countries such as Italy, which obviously is a great humanitarian gesture, but also seems a a pretty clear attempt to improve their image uh, and also potentially try to take away American influence from the region of Europe.
11: Yeah, so on one hand, everybody should be giving all the help that we can to anybody. So we have to recognize that there's something very positive about this assistance. Uh, But Chinese leaders, they recognize that this could be their Suez moment. At the beginning of 1956, Uh, Britain had the same number of soldiers and ships as the end, but in the beginning of that year, it was a world power. And at the end it was a regional power. So with China stepping forward into this vacuum and the United States not doing what we have done in past crises, like the Ebola crisis to lead to heal, um, there is a real opportunity for them and a real danger for the United States. And that this will extend way, way, way beyond this crisis. So if the United States wants to have a different future, we need to have a different uh, present with leadership at home and leadership globally.
2: Jamie Metzl, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Stay safe, my friend. Coming up, breaking news, a major new travel advisory from the State Department. Plus, the White House is still considering grounding many or even all domestic flights. Stay with us. Some breaking news for you now. The U.S. State Department is raising the travel advisory to the highest level, which basically says Americans should not travel abroad. CNN's Kylie Atwood joins me now from the State Department. Kylie. So this is an advisory, but not a ban.
12: Yeah, this is an advisory, but it is the highest level that the U.S. State Department can issue to Americans considering traveling abroad. It is telling them do not travel. And to give you a little bit of context here, Jake, this is generally the level that is reserved for countries where there could be Americans that could face life-or-death situations, places like Afghanistan and Syria. So putting the world on par with those countries due to coronavirus shows you how seriously the State Department is taking the spread of coronavirus worldwide. And what they say in this travel advisory that just went out moments ago is that any Americans who are in countries where there's commercial travel available for them to get back to the U.S., they should go ahead and get on those flights as soon as possible. And it warns that if Americans do choose to travel abroad, even though this advisory has gone out, they may face an indefinite amount of time that they are going to have to remain there. Now, the question, of course, is also for Americans who are in countries right now that have closed their borders, that have shut down their airspaces. We know that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of Americans that are already trying to get home. So this is going to put even more stress on the State Department and their system to try and get those Americans home. We know that is something that is being actively discussed at the State Department and within the White House.
2: What can they do there? We've heard of thousands of people stuck in Peru, thousands of people yeah. stuck uh, in Morocco. And obviously that's just that's, that's just two countries. What can the White House do? I mean, or the State Department do? Uh, c- can they send military transports? W- what options are being considered?
12: Yeah, they say all options are on the table right now, which means, yes, there is the possibility that they could send U.S. flights, U.S. government flights to pick up these individuals. Now, I spoke with a former senior State Department official who's been involved uh, with these emergency flights in the past, however, who said the U.S., the State Department, cannot do a global evacuation of its citizens. So the there is a lot of pressure right now on the State Department. So they are trying to figure out how to best handle this situation. And they are working around the clock, but are, they are facing some criticism from lawmakers who are hearing uh, from their constituents who are abroad and aren't getting the answers that they need. So there is a lot that's going to have to happen in the days and weeks ahead here.
2: You're also learning that the White House is considering grounding domestic flights within the United States.
12: Yeah, so that is under consideration. Uh, The White House, the task force, has discussed grounding some or all domestic flights within the U.S. And a source told my colleague uh, Vivian Salama that it's Dr. Fauci who has been pushing for this to happen. But there are others at the White House who don't think it's a great idea, specifically because there is cargo that has to fly around the U.S. right now. That includes medical supplies that need to get to the places uh, where they are in demand. Now, of course, one thing that they could do would be to ground all flights except for emergency flights except for business flights. So there are a lot of considerations to uh, that they're discussing right now. But the bottom line is that the airlines have already suspended so many of their flights. So even if they do choose uh, to follow through with a ban on all or some domestic flights, the impact uh, is questionable.
2: Jake. Kylie Atwood at the State Department. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. If you're young and healthy, The Surgeon General says there is more that you can do to help besides just staying at home. What is it? We'll explain after this. A new CDC study backs up what health professionals have been trying to yell from the mountaintop. Young people are not immune to the coronavirus. In fact, the new study shows that some 20% of those who have been hospitalized with coronavirus are young adults ages 20 to 44 years old. Let's bring in Dr. Paul Sachs. He's the clinical director of infectious diseases at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Dr. Sachs, thanks for joining us. So young people are getting coronavirus. We should note the risk of dying is higher with older patients. Um, What's your take on on why this is?
13: I don't think this is anything different than what has been seen elsewhere. Uh, When you consider the denominator, the number of people who are exposed and get infected, we are going to see young people with coronavirus and some who have very severe disease and require hospitalization. I think a lot of the focus up to now has been on the older people because, as you mentioned, they have a higher risk of needing intensive care or ultimately dying. But yes, young people are at risk and they are very much at risk of getting this infection. In fact, in Korea, uh, when they've done some of the broadest testing, they find that young people have the highest rate of getting the infection.
2: In a way, we've been focused uh, too much it's hard to explain how, what I mean by that, but too much on, on the um, fatalities because a young person might contract coronavirus and not die, but the symptoms can be severe and, and potentially change that person's life
13: yeah absolutely that's that 's the case, just as with influenza only you know likely more so uh, influenza every year takes the life of an unfortunate young person or, or more you know many many dozens of young people get sick from influenza and, and get hospitalized and, and some die. Uh, the same is happening with coronavirus only at a higher rate, and even though most individuals who are young and healthy who get coronavirus infection will be fine. This small fraction are going to get very sick and need hospitalization. And given the rapid rise of new infections in this country, it's something that we're all concerned about and, and looking out for.
2: Today, the U.S. Surgeon General made a plea to young Americans in particular to donate blood. Is there any risk for those who go to donate blood at the Red Cross or at a medical
13: facility? Should should they consider that before they do so? Well, the, the reason that the plea was made is because not surprisingly, under current circumstances, the, the supply of blood is, is critically low and, and the blood don- donation centers are still open and they are they do that in a very uh, s- sterile and very safe manner. And I think it's a very good altruistic thing for a young, young, healthy person to do. Absolutely.
2: Uh, you say that the supplies are low. Is it because of this virus or or, or is there something else going on?
13: No, the supplies are low because people are afraid to go into medical centers and other places where they typically donate blood. Uh, but I will say that they have not been closed. Um, I mean, there is also uh, potentially a theoretical reason why young people might want to donate blood, and I think this was mentioned as well. There's this, there's something called uh, you know immunotherapy or passive immunotherapy, which is that someone who's recovered from an infection. Perhaps their antibodies can be harvested and then given to another person as treatment. That's still theoretical at this point for coronavirus. But historically, many years ago, it was one of the first effective treatments of pneumonia. Uh, Today,
2: the FDA, FDA commissioner said his agency and others are testing what's called convalescent plasma. Here's how he explained it.
11: If you've been exposed to coronavirus and you're better, you don't have the virus in your blood... We could collect the blood. Now, this is a possible treatment. This is not a proven treatment. Just want to emphasize that. Collect the blood, concentrate that and have the ability once it's pathogen free, that is virus free, be able to give that to other patients.
2: You work in the realm of infectious diseases. Do you see testing like this on a fast track?
13: I, it is one of the many strategies for treatment of coronavirus that, that people have been discussing. In fact, a colleague of mine from, from Florida recently asked about it because uh, there, are, uh, there is evidence that antibodies are critical in protecting people from the disease and also may be helpful in therapy. And so it would not surprise me if this is one of the, the several strategies, one of the several avenues people go down to try and treat coronavirus. Several others as well, as you're aware, antiviral therapies and even immunotherapies.
2: Finally, Doctor, uh, we're approaching uh, another weekend. Last weekend, I think a lot of Americans were stunned to see images of packed bars, restaurants, nightclubs. Uh, this week, we've seen uh, packed beaches of spring breakers. Um, what is your message for young people out there as we approach another weekend? Because, yes, restaurants and bars have been shut down in some cities, but not everywhere.
13: Yeah, uh- Time has come really to to stop congregating in big groups. Even if you're young and you're healthy and you're not going to get a severe infection yourself, you could pass it on to someone else. There already have been several described clusters of people who've traveled recently in the United States who have developed coronavirus infection, some of whom have gotten quite sick. So really, the cautionary note is do not do that right now. Uh, Keep all your social interactions to an absolute minimum and also practice social distancing. I can't emphasize that. Strongly enough, both for your own health and for the health of others. And for the health of your mom, your dad and your grandparents, which you might absolutely hurt.
2: Dr. Paul Sachs, thanks so much for your time and expertise. We appreciate it. The CDC issuing some frightening guidance today to healthcare workers saying that if they run out of masks, they might be able to use a scarf or a bandana instead. We're going to talk to our own Dr. Sanjay Gupta about that and much more. We're going to squeeze in one more quick break. Stay with us.
1: This is CNN Breaking News.
2: Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We are continuing our coverage of the coronavirus pandemic. Minutes ago, the U.S. State Department telling Americans, do not travel abroad. The State Department raising the U.S. travel advisory to the highest level. Do not travel. Here in the United States, 164 people have now died from the coronavirus. The number of cases surging to more than 11,000. It's a stunning increase from just around 1,000 last week, though we expect that number to continue to grow as more tests become available, hospitals already preparing for this pandemic to get even worse, exponentially worse. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issuing some stark new guidance for healthcare care workers, saying workers may even have to resort to using scarves or bandanas if they run out of hospital masks. And even if they are exposed to coronavirus, to continue working under some circumstances. As CNN's Nick Watt reports for us now, this is all part of the effort to combat the coronavirus before it gets even worse. It's here, it's spreading. The
1: FDA now fast-tracking antiviral treatments one currently used against
5: malaria. It's going to be very exciting. I think it could be a game changer and maybe not.
1: But a full coronavirus vaccine still some time away.
13: It has changed everything. And it will for the for the foreseeable future.
1: Carnival Cruise Lines now offering up its
5: fleet. If we should need ships with lots of rooms, uh, they'll be docked at New York and Los Angeles and San Francisco, different places.
1: A field hospital also now on U.S. soil. Washington State. Around 10 million Californians told to shelter in place. Clusters cropping up, at least 46 positives now at this one Illinois care home. Three dead, four others infected in just one extended New Jersey family.
8: Hospitals across the country are rapidly running out of masks, gowns, protective eyewear that they desperately need. We are being asked to reuse and recycle single use respirators and surgical masks when we go see patients.
1: The CDC now advising use homemade masks, e.g., bandana, scarf, for care of patients with COVID 19 as a last resort. And in areas with community spread, consider allowing asymptomatic exposed providers to work while wearing a face mask. Here is one face of this growing pandemic. You choke, you throw up, the
14: pain, the headache.
1: Because even if you don't suffer much, you can give this to others. Although up to 20% of coronavirus hospitalizations in the U.S. are between 20 and 44, according to a new federal study.
14: People need to pay attention, no matter your age.
1: Some U.S. congressmen have now confirmed they have the virus. Georgia's entire legislature told to self-quarantine for two weeks after a state senator tested positive.
13: I am not going to imprison anyone in the state of New York. I am not going to do martial law in the state of New York
1: but they are considering converting New York City's hotels into hospitals. They are giving people a three-month break from mortgage payments
13: and... 75% of the workforce must stay at home uh, and work from home.
1: Netflix now reducing the bitrate on streaming in Europe so we don't all actually break the internet while we hunker down. And another uh, fact that just bears out how we're changing the way we live our lives. Domino's Pizza is advertising for 10,000 new employees. Pizza delivery, one of the very, very few boom industries right now. And how long is this all going to last? Well, nobody really knows. Today, the president was asked, what happens after the 15 days that we've been told to do this social distancing? His answer, we'll know on day 14. Jake?
2: Yeah. And it's probably going to last a lot longer. Uh yeah. Wah, thank you so much. Joining me now is CNN chief medical correspondent, Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Sanjay, masks are in short supply. We've been covering this now for weeks. You have healthcare workers making their own masks, reusing expired masks. We talked to an ER doctor in the last, uh, blah, in the last hour uh, talking about how they, they're using the same mask more than once now. The CDC even issued guidelines saying medical personnel might have to use bandanas or scarves as a, quote, last resort. Uh, how fraught is this?
14: Well, I mean, obviously uh, that, that was very jarring, I think for a lot of people to read who are healthcare providers who'd be in that situation. I mean, look, not only do these bandanas or scarves not work to protect someone from the virus, I mean, we're, we're told that it really has to be an N95 mask. Even surgical masks don't provide a lot of benefits. So this is a very different sort of tone that people are hearing. And look, you know, I just, I just interviewed this couple, a husband's an ER doctor, wife's at home with their, with their kids. And they're not at that point yet at the hospital where he works. But if they get to that point, she's also worried that he can then bring that back to the family, you know? So it's, it's the doctors themselves, the nurses themselves, it's their patients and then the families. I mean, that's the nature of, of, of what's happening here.
2: I interviewed a a couple like that as well. And the husband was sleeping in the garage and basically (laughs) not spending any time with his wife or their three kids. One of whom is like a three weeks old, Um, the, the CDC also issued some new guidance. This also must have been jarring for healthcare professionals, saying healthcare workers showing slight symptoms can keep treating patients. Uh, how did you read that?
14: Yeah, I mean, look. So the, the the specific guidance was, if you've been exposed, and even if you're showing symptoms, you can continue to sh- continue to take care of patients as long as you wear a mask. That is, if you have a mask again, right? Not, not a bandana or a scarf. Let me, let me tell you something, Jake, the the problem is that, first of all, that's a very different guidance than just a few days ago. A few days ago, people were told to go quarantine themselves for 14 days. And now they're saying, look, even if you have symptoms, not just an exposure, it's okay to keep taking care of patients if you, if you're wearing a mask, which you may not be able to get. It gives you a sense of, of the fact that they really recognize how short on staff, they're likely to be at some of these hospitals. I mean, I don't fault the CDC. That's where this guidance came from. I mean, I think I fault the overall planning. The CDC is just trying to keep up now, I think, with coming up with any contingency plan possible. Problem is they, those, those doctors or nurses can then become vectors. They yeah. can infect other patients, uh, other colleagues, whatever.
2: My sister is a doctor in Western Massachusetts in her hospital, Berkshire Hospital uh, sent home 160 employees because of possible exposure to a coronavirus patient. They had to hire like uh, at li- like four dozen nurses to take their places. Obviously, still not sufficient. Right. Uh, and now that advice is completely changed.
14: Yeah, I mean, and, and if you look, I mean, we're, we get to talk about this right now. But for these these uh, healthcare providers on the front line. I mean, they're living that, like the couple that you interviewed, like people that I've interviewed. They're living that. So now it's okay if I'm sick and have been exposed to keep taking care of patients. And by the way, I might not get a mask. I might have to use a bandana or a scarf. Look, I wish I was making this up, Jake, but that that is what they're hearing. And I mean, many of them may say, look, is it worth the risk? Uh, I'm worried about taking this back home to my family. I'm worried about spreading this to other patients. I mean, healthcare providers are doing incredible work here. They've got to be given the resources. And right now, in many places, they have the resources. But as you know, Jake, in some places, they don't.
2: Too many places, they don't. So coronavirus cases in the United States have now topped 11,000. That's up from 1,000 this time a week ago. Some of that is attributable to the fact that there's more testing out there, but some of it is also attributable to the fact that it's spreading. Now, the White House Coronavirus Task Force Coordinator, Dr. Deborah Burke, said today, that they think that more than 50% of the confirmed cases originate from 10 counties in just three states. That's mm-hmm. obviously uh, New York, Washington State, and California. And more specifically, uh, it's, it's uh, the, the San Francisco area of California. For the sake of stopping the spread, for the sake of flattening the curve, should these counties consider, at least ordering residents to to shelter in place, which doesn't mean imprisoning, you're allowed to maybe get out and get some fresh air as long as you stay six feet away. But generally speaking, keeping people inside, should that be considered?
14: Well, well look, Jake, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm going to get some, some angry email about this, but I, I would take it even a step further. We've identified these places where the, the virus is clearly spreading substantially. But I'm still like, because we've been so under testing here, I think there are many more places uh, where the virus is spreading and we just don't know yet. If you look at what has worked in places where they've really seemed to make some impact on this coronavirus, there have been sort of substantial, uh, call it shelter in place, which is sort of a weird term, frankly, for this, because I don't really think of shelter. I think that like school shootings or storms or something, but stay inside your house almost always, except for essential things, I think that needs to be sort of a blanket thing right now across the nation. And, and, and look, not just those communities, but everywhere, because if you're not doing, doing it for yourself, you're, you're helping keep other people protected as well. The way you break the cycle of transmission is to really, truly do this for a while. If we don't do this for a while now, Jake, we're going to be doing it a lot longer and, and with larger numbers later. So we, we've, got to, we've got to do this. And I think everywhere.
2: Everywhere. And, and look, obviously the Chinese government was not honest and open about this. And uh, obviously there are some serious planning problems uh, when it comes to the U.S. government, not to mention how much Uh, certain leaders in the US government, starting with the president, uh, belittle this. But this is where we are. This is where we are. Uh, And it really is up to the population of the United States, young people, old people, Gen Xers, whatever, to take this step to try to, to try to take it into our own hands because we really can't rely necessarily on the government solving this problem for us.
14: We, we absolutely Jake, and we know that this can work okay I don't people aren't just making this up and people may say, how do you know that this even works this physical distancing because it's done, been done throughout history uh, you know where you see significant impact, of this physical distancing from one another. We've seen it even more more recently in other countries around this particular outbreak. So, you know, I think it's it's very important to remember, uh, according to recent data, that four out of five people who contracted the coronavirus infection in China uh, got it from people who didn't know they were infected. Let me just say that once more, four out of five people who were confirmed to have the coronavirus infection Got that infection from people who didn't know they were infected. Everyone has to behave like they have the virus. That's not to scare you, that's to change the way you behave and make it so that you don't transmit this to others and are less likely to get it yourself.
2: I think it was a week ago when somebody died, a 72 year old man uh, right outside Kansas City, uh, that a lot of us internally at CNN were saying, oh my God, it's, it must be everywhere because this guy had not traveled anywhere. They didn't know who he had had contact with that he got it from, but this poor guy, the 72-year-old right outside Kansas City got it, then it's everywhere.
14: I, we, I think there's, there's plenty of evidence of that. Even if you go back to Washington State, Jake, the first patient diagnosed in this country in Washington State in January, when they looked at the genetic sequence of the virus and tried to compare it to a, the, the viruses that were infecting people six weeks later, it was very similar, suggesting that basically this that the, the virus had been circulating in that community for a month and a half. I think, you know, especially in places where you've had a lot of international travel, uh, it's I think it's pretty clear the virus has been circulating for some time. But now, I mean, you look at the map, I think the map, you know, the, this this virus is here. So much so, Jake, that as much as we focus on testing, which I think it's, continues to be important, the testing really was to try and determine how widespread is this? Uh, I think we're we're starting to know the answer to that question even without the testing because it's clearly here.
2: And it's not just killing old people, not you know, which is to say nothing about uh, the people that are belittling the deaths of people over the age of 60, but it's everywhere and anyone can get it. Dr. Sanjay Gupta, thanks as always. And of course, you can see more yeah. of Dr. Sanjay Gupta tonight. He'll be co hosting the CNN Global Town Hall in partnership with Facebook, along with CNN's Anderson Cooper. The two will be working to bring you answers about the coronavirus pandemic. That's 10 p.m. Eastern only on CNN. I believe Dr. Fauci will be with them as well. Coming up, the State Department telling Americans abroad to return home immediately. Unless you're prepared to stay outside of the country indefinitely. The new advisory next and ahead. Many businesses in America may never be the same again. How some major corporations are trying to adapt to this new reality. Stay with us. Uh, Breaking news the State Department in the U.S. now telling Americans not to travel abroad because of the threat of coronavirus. Just moments ago, the State Department raised the travel advisory to the highest level. It's a level four. CNN's Kylie Atwood joins me now from the State Department to explain. Uh, Kylie, does this mean if you go abroad for any reason, not listening to the U.S. government, you might not be able to get back into the U.S.?
12: It's possible. So this is the highest level of advisory regarding U.S. travel that the State Department can issue. They are telling Americans don't travel internationally. They shouldn't take this lightly because I want to give you a little bit of context, Jake. This is a level of advisory that the State Department usually issues for places like Syria, Afghanistan, where the Americans could travel and face situations that would lead to death. So this is very serious. If Americans do choose to travel abroad, I want to read to you what the advisory says. It warns, Quote, if you choose to travel internationally, your plans may be severely disrupted and you may be forced to remain outside of the U.S. for an indefinite time frame, essentially saying that we cannot assure that you're going to get back to the U.S. in a quick uh, amount of time here, telling them to stay home.
2: I don't have to tell you or our viewers that it was just a few days ago that President Trump was belittling the threat of this virus. Uh, He's thankfully, in the last three days, been on a completely different page and acknowledging the grave threat. But there are Americans traveling or who traveled around the world. And what might this advisory mean for those who are stranded in places like Peru or Morocco, where the governments have shut down all commercial flights?
12: yeah well that's the reality here jake there are many americans who are in countries that can get on flights and the state department here is saying if you have commercial travel available to you right now if you can find flights back to the u.s get on those flights but there are hundreds if not thousands of americans in countries where they have shut down their borders where they have shut down their international airspace which means these americans can't find ways back to the U.S. And so President Trump was asked about this today. He said the administration is working on this. We could see some U.S. flights into these places, but this is something that we know the State Department is working on around the clock, and people are frustrated in countries where they want to get back to the U.S. A lot Jake. of
2: hardworking government employees trying to make sure that these Americans get back home safely. Thanks so much, Kylie Atwood. His doctors in hospitals sound the alarm about a lack of medical equipment. President Trump said today that it's up to the governors of each state, not him, to to find those supplies, but as CNN's Boris Sanchez reports now from the White House, President Trump does have the authority to expand production of medical supplies, but for now he is not using that authority.
4: I think going to President Trump today deflecting blame for the, the coronavirus, coronavirus pandemic and lashing out over reports that hospitals are facing shortages of medical supplies. The governors are supposed to be doing
5: a lot of this work, and they are doing a lot of this work. The federal government's not supposed to be out there buying vast amounts of items and then shipping you know we're not a shipping clerk
4: the president causing confusion after signing the defense production act to boost manufacturing but then tweeting that he didn't plan to use it you don't know what we've done you don't know whether or not
5: we've ordered you don't know if we've invoked it you don't know what's been ordered what's not been ordered
4: While Trump insists the administration was prepared for the outbreak, he couldn't explain alarming reports from emergency rooms about a lack of personal protective equipment, instead blaming the media for reporting their stories.
5: I cannot explain a gap. I'm hearing very good things on the ground. We were very prepared. Uh, The only thing we weren't prepared
4: for was the, uh, the media. Trump also placing some responsibility on China for suppressing critical information about the virus as the outbreak unfolded. It could have
5: been contained to that one area in China where it started. And certainly uh, the world is paying a big price for what
4: they did. Though a few days after the first COVID-19 case was discovered in the U.S., Trump tweeted that he, quote, "...greatly appreciates their efforts and transparency. It will all work out well." offering a direct thank you to President Xi Jinping from the American people. As Congress finalizes a trillion dollar economic rescue package, Trump touting know, bipartisanship.
5: But I think there's a great spirit where uh, the Democrats, the Republicans
4: and everybody else are getting together and they're trying to get things done. Though Trump's own campaign launching false accusations at Democratic front runner Joe Biden misrepresenting Biden's statements in a press release claiming the former vice president is siding with the Chinese during the outbreak. Biden's camp saying Trump is grasping for distractions. Quote, instead of obvious and frankly lame efforts to deflect responsibility, why doesn't President Trump do his job? And Jake, President Trump and Vice President Mike Pence just wrapped up a teleconference with some of the nation's governors Many of those governors voicing concerns over a lack of swabs for testing, also for overall capacity in many of their hospitals. The vice president simply telling them, we're with you every step of the way, Jake.
2: Yeah, I heard about that a couple days ago, that the question of swabs was going to be next. Yeah, terrifying. Uh, Boris Sanchez, thanks so much. Uh, We're going to talk to an emergency medical physician next. Are the supplies that are supposedly being sped up and expanded, are they making it to the hospitals that need them? Stay with us. Welcome back. Hospitals throughout the world continue to sound the alarm about the anticipated rush of patients saying they do not have the manpower, the beds, the masks, the ventilators to handle the surge. Business leaders here in the U.S. say they want to help, but they don't seem to know how. Tesla and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk went on Twitter and said, we will make ventilators if there is a shortage. Ventilators are not difficult but cannot be produced instantly. Which hospitals have these shortages? He asked that question of Nate Silver As CNN's Athena Jones reports, the worry is that soon most hospitals could be facing these very shortages. It's a warning authorities
15: are sounding across the country. This is a crisis for our health care system
13: management.
15: The coronavirus pandemic could overwhelm hospitals, particularly in and around big cities, leaving them without enough beds, equipment or staff to treat patients effectively. In New York, the state with the most COVID-19 cases in the country, Governor Andrew Cuomo issued an executive order to increase hospital capacity to make sure they're prepared for a potential flood of sick patients. Nothing has been as large as this. This is huge. Kenneth Rasky, president of the Greater New York Hospital Association, is helping lead the state's effort.
16: We've asked every hospital throughout the metropolitan area in New York to uh, come up with a plan
15: to add to their intensive care unit beds because those are the ones that are going to be most in demand. New York's health care system has 53,000 hospital beds and 3,000 intensive care unit beds, according to Governor Andrew Cuomo. And at the virus's peak, the state could need between 55 and 110,000 hospital beds and 18 to 37,000 ICU beds. Both New York and New Jersey have been pleading with the Army Corps of Engineers to build temporary medical facilities, which the defense secretary says, once deployed, could help civilian hospitals by taking non-coronavirus patients off their hands.
14: We could take care of your trauma patients so that you can open up more rooms for patients with the COVID-19.
15: And in a worst case scenario, large venues like this one, the Javits Center, a 760,000 square foot convention hall here in Manhattan could also be used to house patients. But it's not just about patients. It's also about doctors and nurses. We are
3: not at all afraid to take care of the
15: COVID-19 patients. It's what we do. Shortages of personal protective equipment, like masks, could put healthcare care workers at risk. Our complaints, our uh, requests, our begging for proper protective equipment is going on deaf ears. If you lose us, look what happens to the patients and the, the health of the community. Machines like ventilators that save lives could cost lives in a shortage. Manufacturers are ramping up production but are struggling to keep up with the demand. The administration is invoking the Defense Production Act to expand production of protective gear, and the Defense Department says it will help with the ventilator supply.
14: We're also prepared to distribute to HHS up to 2,000 operational deployable ventilators for use as needed.
15: Now, we've been focused on big cities, but rural hospitals could also be overwhelmed as this crisis worsens. We're talking about much lower numbers here. Still, a representative for rural hospitals told me they serve communities that often have a high proportion of low-income and elderly people and people with high health needs, and they often have much smaller facilities, 25 beds or fewer, that have little to no surge capacity.
2: All right, Athena, thank you so much. Joining me now to discuss, Dr. Lisa Dabby. She's an emergency physician. Uh, emergency medicine physician at UCLA Health. Uh, Dr. Dabby, thanks for joining us. The number of cases continues to rise every day. Um, How long do you think it will be until hospitals are, are overrun? You just can't handle the influx?
8: Jake, that's a tough question to answer. We have definitely seen an increase in the patients coming in. This week is incredibly different than last week. It is here. We're seeing patients coming in. I anticipate that in the next one to two weeks, we're going to start to see very large volumes of very sick people.
2: In Italy, it was reported that because of the lack of ventilators, doctors ultimately had to choose who would get one, potentially deciding between patients as to who lives and and who dies. I mean, ventilators, I don't know how much the public understands this. Ventilators do breathing for people who cannot breathe on their own. Do you think that that potentially could happen here in the United States?
8: I really hope not, Jake. You know, ventilators do keep people alive. They breathe for them when they can't breathe. They increase the amount of oxygen the patient can receive when they're not able to do it on their own. And they're crucial to keeping people who are critically sick alive. You know, the whole goal of social distancing is to slow down the speed of transmission so that we don't get overwhelmed, so that we don't have thousands of people coming in at the same time needing ventilators, because we don't have thousands of ventilators. It's not gonna work. I personally don't want to be in a position where we have to let somebody die. That's not what we do in the United States of America. We've got to work to keep everybody alive and we've got to work to increase supply so that we have enough ventilators should we need them.
2: So the CDC changed some of their guidelines. I, I think they did this ultimately to in a way to, of acknowledging uh, the dire conditions that hospitals may soon find themselves in. People like you, uh, they recommended that healthcare workers as a last resort might think about reusing masks uh, or even using a scarf or a bandana. What do you think of that?
8: So I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I can't imagine putting on a bandana to go take care of a patient with a highly infectious disease that could kill me. I will not do that. We need our healthcare care providers, doctors, nurses, techs, respiratory therapists, we need everybody healthy and strong to fight this virus. We cannot let our healthcare workers get sick. If they get sick, there's going to be nobody left standing to take care of the influx of patients. And so the priority right now should really be to increase production of personal protective equipment for healthcare workers.
2: We know that young people with mild symptoms who think they have coronavirus should stay home. What about if an elderly patient Uh, has symptoms uh, and the hospitals are overrun and there's a lack of supplies should they stay home too unless they obviously need you know dire medical help at, at once
8: so we're advising everybody all ages if your symptoms are mild and you can manage them at home please stay home the mild cases will get better on their own We really want to reserve the emergency department and the hospitals for the people who are critically ill, for the people who can't breathe and need oxygen, for the people who are vomiting and getting dehydrated, for the people whose blood pressure is low and they're confused. Those are the people we want to see in the ER, regardless of age. Check in with your doctor, call your doctor, see if they recommend that you go to the ER or not.
2: Dr. Lisa Dabby, thank you and thank all of the people on the ER staffs, the nurses, the nurse practitioners, the custodians, the people answering the phones. We know how horrible it is and it's going to get even worse and stay in touch let us know what you need so we can keep bringing attention to this
8: thank you jake appreciate the help
2: one senator has a message for those beachgoers in florida what are you thinking it's a good message we talked to some spring breakers who are laughing it all off saying they're just trying to have fun oh boy here we go stay with us We have some breaking news for you now. Another local government in the state of Florida is shutting down beaches. This one affecting St. Petersburg and Clearwater Beach as people have been flocking to beaches across the state. Despite all we've been hearing from health officials, Florida Governor DeSantis has told beach localities to follow CDC guidelines of beaches, but the governor has not shut them down statewide. Restaurants and beach towns also remain open. As CNN's Layla Santiago reports from Clearwater, clearly not everyone is taking the advice of experts with any degree of seriousness.
0: Despite what health officials are warning, some beaches in Florida are still the go-to spot, especially for tourists. Are you making any changes because of the coronavirus? I mean... Not on spring break.
6: No, not really, <laughs> yeah, it's not half fun. <laughs> <long. laughs>
0: Quez and Savannah are like the thousands of spring breakers in the Sunshine State right now. They've heard the warnings to keep social distance, but for now they say it's not a priority, despite what health experts and the White House are asking. It may have been... That the millennial generation, our largest generation, our
8: future generation um, that will carry us through for the next multiple decades. We cannot have these large gatherings that continue to occur throughout the country.
13: Relief, as much relief as we can get.
0: Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who has the power to close all the state's beaches, has not done so. His office tells us it's not off the table. Instead, for now, the governor has ordered Floridians to follow CDC guidelines at the beaches by, quote, limiting their gatherings to no more than 10 persons distance themselves from other parties by six feet. DeSantis's predecessor, Senator Rick Scott, calling for more to be done.
1: I think they ought to do everything they can to stop People from being on the beach, they ought to make sure that the only way you can go on the beach is
11: if you're going to be on there by yourself.
0: But that's not happening at all. This was Cocoa Beach just a couple of days ago. Brevard County has since closed public parking near beach access points. A similar scene within the last 24 hours in Clearwater Beach. The sheriff says local businesses need to be taken into consideration before beaches are closed
16: but it's also to those business owners, uh, to the hotel owners and those that operate all these properties who have asked us not to shut down the beaches. And that's not stopping
0: the mayor of the state's largest county in quarantine himself from deciding today to close the beaches.
5: To protect Miami-Dade County residents from the spread of the coronavirus. First, I have ordered the closing of all parks and beaches in Miami-Dade County and in all of our cities as of 9 a.m. today
0: but for many from tourists and those living in florida the need to get out right now is too strong sticking our toes in the
9: sand what better way to spend a day where would you rather be
0: And Jake, just as Pinellas County has voted unanimously to close all public beaches, effective tonight uh, at midnight, I want to show you what it looks like right now. We're on the pier. Uh, this is one side of it where you can see a pretty crowded beach, not much social distancing going on. A good chunk of these folks sort of younger beachgoers. I heard one woman just scream uh, spring break 2020. Let me show you the other side. Come on over with me and uh, take a walk. Excuse me, ma'am. Uh, and you can see much of the same on this side that people are out and about now as I have spoken to some county leaders uh, they're telling me that the concern is if you close this beach uh, there's a good chance that they could go to another beach in Florida because there is not a statewide ban right now Jake.
2: We have a Santiago. It's just an enraging story. I appreciate it. Let let me ask you, you, you're, you're learning that some officials have decided to speed up closures of some beaches.
0: Right. Well, actually, you know, it's it's interesting to see how we got to where we are right now in Pinellas County. Uh, Clearwater, which is where we are right now on Clearwater Beach, just yesterday announced uh, that they would be closing this beach come Monday. But as I was at that meeting uh, about half an hour ago, I could hear county officials saying we cannot wait till Monday. We must close the beaches now, if for no other reason than to send a message that this is serious.
2: All right, Layla Santiago, please stay safe. Please stay six feet away from all of those people. Uh, With so many Americans quarantined and hospitals under a stress test due to coronavirus, big business is responding. U.S. automakers are in talks with the White House to make medical supplies. Popular restaurant chains want to ramp up food delivery. Tech companies are literally being asked to help save the internet. Let's bring in CNN's Richard Quest. Richard, let's start with the auto giants for General Motors. There's talk of them possibly transforming their assembly plants to make medical supplies. How soon could that happen?
10: No one really knows because uh, it's not been done except in uh, really in wartime. If you think back to the Second World War and and what we've heard about how factories were turned into the war effort, well, that's what the president wants now. But it's not that straightforward. Oh, of course it can be done, Jake. But two things to bear in mind. One, it takes quite a long time to retool these sophisticated factories to make something that is, two, highly technical. Three, whatever is produced then has to be tested to the highest exacting medical standards, and for the advice is that those companies stick to things that are close to what they already do. So, for example, a, a company like an automaker who's making mechanical items would be in a good position to make, for example, um, ventilators and the like, but not be in a good position to make, say, for example, pharmaceuticals. I think there's more wish than reality about this. You, will, you We saw in Shanghai, General Motors making GM, making masks. But there was a certain synergy between what they were already doing with upholstery and leathers and what they were then able to do with medical grade fabrics. It's some way off from being a wholesale solution.
2: And Domino's Pizza today announced that uh, they have a desire to hire some 10,000 more employees because of increased demand for for food to be delivered. This this is also something of a trend.
10: It is. We've got Amazon who wants 100,000 people because obviously more people are delivering. You've got uh, Domino's. I've got a whole list of of pizza places, uh, restaurants, all of whom are offering either better deals for hospital workers, increasing their delivery services. But most restaurants, Jake, to be to be true about this most restaurants will not be able to make up their lost revenues by going into delivery even with uber grub and all of the other ones they simply won't be able to do it
2: with so many people working at home obviously in addition to food delivery there there are increased demand for things such as home entertainment streaming services such as netflix but there's fear that that the increased demand might might break the internet what are tech companies netflix others doing to to respond
10: in Europe, Netflix has already agreed to reduce bandwidth or bitrate by 25 percent because the European authorities were concerned that the infrastructure was going to become overwhelmed. Here in the US, we've not had any evidence of that yet. I, I was talking to the CEO of Verizon, Hans Vestberg. He says, of course, usage is up. And they're seeing a lot more capacity. However, he said, there is no evidence, at least for Verizon, that in any way the network is being put under any strain. And he did not see from the United States point of view that they would need to necessarily so-called throttle people streaming. All the more important, by the way, Jake, bearing in mind, as you've reported uh, on this programme, the number of new streaming services that are now coming online.
2: All right, Richard Quest, thank you so much. Always appreciate it. We're now three months removed from what some consider the most wonderful time of the year, and more Americans are trying to bring that back as a distraction from coronavirus. They're doing this, spreading joy and hope and unity with Christmas lights. A broadcaster for the Milwaukee Brewers put the call out last Sunday, tweeting, quote, what if we all put our Christmas lights back up? Then we could get in the car and drive around and look at them. That seems like a fair social distancing activity. Remember, that last point is the most important. Despite the momentary distraction, you need to continue to social distance. Coming up next, our CNN team is reporting from around the globe from the controversial new action one government's taking to the staggering death toll in another, where one person is dying from the coronavirus every 10 minutes. Stay with us. Welcome back. I'm Jake Tapper. Countries around the world are shutting their borders as the coronavirus death toll goes up. According to Johns Hopkins University, there are more than 230,000 confirmed cases and more than 9,800, almost 10,000 deaths in Iran. Every 10 minutes, someone there dies from the virus. Every hour, at least 50 more are infected. In Spain, the number of deaths jumped to more than 700. And regional leaders say 80% of Madrid will eventually contract the virus. Word today that Prince Albert of Monaco has tested positive. And just today, Italy has now surpassed China in the number of deaths. Let's bring in CNN's Max Foster just outside of London. Uh, Max, cities around Europe are starting to lock down. England uh, standing in, in contrast. What is Prime Minister Johnson saying?
16: It's very interesting, isn't it? He has a very different strategy. It's not as severe as other European neighbours, but he's very confident. So today he talked about turning the tide of this virus within three months. That does depend on people sticking to the rules. So people not going to the pubs and bars and restaurants as he's directed. But what he's not doing is going as far as closing down those establishments. And he's certainly ruling out the idea of closing down the transport system. Although some parts of London, there might be a bit of a lockdown, but he's not looking at a wider lockdown. What he is doing is bringing in or putting on standby 20,000 troops, including reservists, and have to bring some troops back from Iraq to do that as well, which will
2: affect operations there. All right, Max Foster, thanks so much. Stay safe in Israel. We are learning just now the government is requiring Israeli citizens to stay home for seven days. And for the first time, the Israeli government is using a controversial cell phone tracking tool To help limit the spread of coronavirus, as Oren Lieberman has been following the story. He joins us now from Israel. Oren, how does this digital tracking tool work? So this
16: is a cell phone tracking tool used by Israel's internal security service, the Shin Bet or the Shabak. But until now, it had only been used in counterterrorism operations to track suspected terrorists and see who they've been associating with. Now for the first time, it will be used on Israel's civilian population to track coronavirus patients and see who they've been near. Part of the issue here, and what makes this so controversial, is uh, is how this was approved. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu approved this as an emergency regulation, meaning there is no parliamentary oversight or legislative safeguard for how this is used and to what extent. And that's part of the issue here. And both sides acknowledge here there is a risk of invasion of privacy. The high court ruled a short time ago that part of the usage here is limited because of its controversy. uh, But some of this is already going forward. In fact, according to the Ministry of Health, already 400 people have gotten notifications through the usage of this tool that they were near a coronavirus patient and now must go into self-quarantine.
2: Well, and Oren, as you know, I mean, Israel's government is in a complete state of flux right now. So this lack of legislative oversight is, is part of a bigger political fight in Israel. What's going on with that?
16: And to that end, Israel's president has warned of harm to Israel's democratic system. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has been in charge of a transitional government. He hasn't had the support of the legislature of the Knesset since Christmas Eve 2018. And now that his rival, Benny Gantz, has a clear parliamentary majority, that allows Gantz to do certain things, like appoint a new speaker of the Knesset and form committees. But the speaker of the Knesset, a member of Netanyahu's Likud party, refuses to hold those key votes right now, and Israel's political deadlock is getting worse.
2: Uh, That sounds awful. Uh, Oren Lieberman, thank you so much. Coming up next, a live interview with the governor of one state where the National Guard is on the ground helping with the coronavirus pandemic. Stay with us.
13: Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash call me country. Max subscription required.